0: I promise, I hovered on Facebook over Grant's name, his face, and it said recently visited blah 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 Iceland. And I met, really, and I messaged him and said, Are you in Iceland? Anyway. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no. You sure?
0: I can't remember about that. Okay, so we're continuing our series on the good, the bad, and the ugly where we're sort of trying to demyth the idea that uh, the famous people that we read about in the Bible, that uh, they're all sort of perfect. We're trying to bring them down to earth, if you like. Is that the right way to put it? Anyway, that's what we're trying to do. So last week, Levi spoke about Gideon. It was really good. I, I love the way Levi talks. He's kind of like, he's gun barrel straight, and it's really good. It's online if you missed it and you wanted to listen to it. It's... It goes for about 30 minutes, but it's online on our website, on our um, media page. Okay, let's get right into it. Just before I do, did you know that concrete today is not as good as it was in the Roman days? Did you? You were aware of this? It wouldn't surprise you. <laughs> did, did you see the article? Okay, you know what? They've worked out that they put um, ash from volcanoes, the Romans used ash from volcanoes in the concrete. And it's getting stronger as time goes on, whereas our concrete it deteriorates. I think we've got a 99 year span before it starts to starts to break down. So sometimes older is better. Mm. So when you listen to your granddad say, you know, back in my day when things were like this, maybe he's right, maybe or, you. or your grandma, yeah. yeah. So let me let me set the scene with with uh, David. Uh, this is about 50 years after Samson. So I dare say that um, David probably grew up with some of those Samson stories as he was a child. And God God wanted to be king of Israel, but the people decided that they didn't want God as king. They wanted a person king like the other nations. God wasn't too rapt with this, but um, nonetheless he obliged and they ended up with a king called Saul. And I won't go into Saul's life, but he didn't do what pleased the Lord. In fact, uh, he seemed to do his own thing um, while he was king. He did some things God wanted, but um, often he would just just change it a little bit and would be quite stubborn in his in his um, listening to God. He just wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it God's way. He did it um, his own way. So God said, um, "I'm after a man after my own heart." Whatever that means. We'll find out whatever that means. A man after my own heart. And it's really interesting, the story of David um, getting picked. Samuel is the prophet of the day. And God says to Samuel, go down to Jesse's place and you'll be picking one of his sons. I do do find it a little bit odd that God didn't just say, you know, go down to see David, son of Jesse. Instead, he said, go down to Jesse's house and I'll, I'll show you one of his sons. So um, he goes down to Jesse's place and have you all, are you anyone familiar all over this story with David? Are there people that don't know the story so well? So, so, (laughs) so um, Samuel goes down to Jesse's place and he looks at the older brother and he assumes, you know, the older brother, the oldest, they're the blessed ones. And this guy probably looked pretty handsome, looked like he was, you know, the right man. And Samuel thought, this is, this is the guy. And I hope you don't mind, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit so we don't have to keep looking at the scripture, otherwise it'll take me too long to get through all this. And um, God said to Samuel, while he was looking at the oldest, you look at, you're looking at the person's outer appearance, I'm looking at the heart. And God was sort of showing <laughs> the difference between himself and what people are like. God doesn't look at what we look like on the outside he is looking at what's happening in the heart. So Samuel goes through all the brothers and he says to eventually says to Jesse it's none of these. How many does anyone know how many brothers David had incidentally? Is- well it's, a, it's an interesting question um, Samuel says he has eight and Chronicles chapter 2 says he has seven. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there those uh, Bible scholars who are interested can maybe spend the next week looking up why, why it's doing that <laughs> sorry so anyway um, he goes through all the brothers he's not there and Samuel says look I've gone through I've gone through all your sons is there someone else and and mind you Saul's gone down and he's put on this party for Jesse's family he had to hide the fact that he was um, anointing the next king because he feared for his life that Saul would would do, you know, would kill him. So there's this party going on, and all of David's brothers are there, and David, it's according to scripture, is stuck out in the paddock. He's not good enough to be invited in <coughs> to the family party with the, you know, the hero, the prophet coming to the, to the house. No one bothers to let David know that he's, he's part of the deal. Anyway, so they call David in, and Samuel says, "This is this is the man," and he he gets anointed. And it's really interesting because um, the Bible's quite clear here. It talks about, it says that David is anointed in front of his brothers. Now, you might think that that's a big deal. Um, It's not just like he's here and this happened in front of this person. Because he was the younger brother and he got anointed in front of all the older brothers and the, the, the little runt gets anointed, this would have no doubt caused a bit of an issue with his brothers anyone got brothers here, not here no. no not here mine aren't here either but i, I do have brothers um and oh, okay well whenever we get together whenever my brothers and i get together it's like no time's passed we give each other heaps and we're wrestling and fighting and doing all sorts of things just because we're brothers you know <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you yeah, I, I am it's a it's a sign of endearment Exactly. So anyway, the, the, um, the seeds of jealousy, I would think, start to be sown if they haven't already because David isn't invited to the party, um, are sown in the, in the brother's heart because the little runt all of a sudden is the hero of the day and that, that normally wouldn't be um, you know, the, the common practice. It would normally be the eldest son got all the attention, all the accolades, and all of a sudden the little runt who's not even worthy to come into the party, he gets gets all the the accolades. And the scripture says, so David stood there amongst his brothers. Okay, let's fast forward to a few years later. Um, David is still young and he's been asked to bring in refreshments to the brothers. The brothers are at war because the Philistines at the time have their hero, Goliath, Goliath comes into the picture, and everyone's too scared to go out against Goliath. And David is sent, he's still (coughs) mining the sheep for his father, the few sheep, and um, his dad says, can you go and bring some refreshments? I think I've got it here. Okay, this thing doesn't want to work. Um, David is sent in to bring refreshments to his brothers, and this is what happened. Um, David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men. David was talking to the men because he was finding out what was going on. He didn't know what was going on with Goliath. There was a reward involved. Um, David hadn't heard Goliath shouting out all these threats towards the Israelites. Goliath was this mountain of a man. This is 50 years after um, Samson. Mountain of a man, and all all the Israelites were absolutely petrified of him. They wouldn't even go down in a group to take him out Um, they just kept away and the bible says that you know the king king saul and his sons and everyone was shaken um, by the taunts of goliath so david hears this when he goes to take um, some refreshments down to his brothers and it says when david uh, but when david heard when david's oldest brother Eliab heard david talking about the men he was angry what are you doing around here anyway he demanded what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? See, back with the sheep? So he's, he's obviously still pretty upset about the whole anointing thing. Um, I know that you are full of pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. So there's obviously some jealousy issues that are festering here. What is it with the younger brothers in, in the Bible? You know, you've got Joseph as well. He's a... He's a younger brother, he's the second youngest, well, I think he's the second youngest, and there's all this jealousy about him too because he has the dreams and he tells his brothers that you know, I had a dream and you all bow down to me, probably not the wisest thing to do, and then his father gives him the, the coat that he has and so he's flaunting his, I'm the favourite. <laughs> uh, jealousy stuff's really good, I don't know if you've ever experienced it in families but it's really, it's really a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at everyone's face here and we all know what it's like. And what about Jesus as well? Jesus buys into it Uh, with the prodigal son, the younger brother. He goes off and does all this, makes all this trouble, prostitutes, the whole thing. And Jesus says he's the hero of the story. I mean, come on, what's going on here? It's like God says the oldest is the blessed one, the anointed one, the firstborn. And yet it seems like God's interested in even the, all the way down to the youngest. So, the, um, going on from the story here is David kills Goliath. We all know the story of David and Goliath. Even if you've never read the Bible, everyone surely has heard that. Have you heard that one? David and Goliath? Yeah. We've, we're all over that story. Now, I'm not sure if it was such a big deal. It, it was a massive deal, David killing Goliath. But I'll put on the next... Is it the next... The next verse here, it says that uh, when David is trying to convince Saul to go out to battle against Goliath, because David really takes this uh, Goliath's taunts to heart, David says, I've done uh, done this to both lions and bears. That's plural. That's not just one lion and one bear. That's plural. I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. So as much as it's probably a big deal listening to the story, knowing that David's already had a, quite a bit of practice at going against bears and lions, it's probably not such a big... I mean, it is a leap, but it's probably not such a big leap that we that we think it might be. So what I was hoping that we would, would do... Have you ever had leaps like this in your life? Not Goliath leaps, but... I remember when I got into computers for the first time, I opened up the thing and a mate was on the phone telling me what to do. And I blew it up and I think I shocked myself and smoke was coming out and the whole thing. But when I did the second one, I was actually quite confident that I knew what I was doing. I don't know why. (laughs) And then I did the third and the fourth one, and I didn't even think about that first time of opening up the case and getting. uh, You know how I I don't know how you guys feel about opening up a computer case, and you freak out about what's inside. Just close it, get it away. So maybe talk about in groups any time a time in your life where you've come across come across these goliaths, or you've had um, discussed times in your life where you've been apprehensive at the start But you might have gone on to have a kill of some sort. Yeah? Is that okay? Do you understand? Yeah? There it is, that one. Uh, Sorry to break into the your conversations there. I'm sure, Marnie, your your first run is not like your runs today. And if someone had said to you, how about a yeah, 20k yeah. run to start off with? I'm sure you would have maybe balked at the... Yeah, I'd say no, I could have some yeah, so yeah, 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 But now... <laughs> 20k? <laughs> Ian was saying that um, his first exhibition, his first um, painting, uh, art exhibition, was um, he didn't know what he was doing. But now he wouldn't think twice about it. I bet you your first flying time... Um, I bet you that was a bit of a... But now, you probably wouldn't even think twice about it. Maybe you would. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I say this is because um, David is is like a a man of valour, as they say. And he did bring down Goliath. But often you'll see in Scripture these people that did these amazing heroic acts of faith. They often not always but often they had a moment of like Moses for example there's a burning bush and the bush is talking to him I dare say if you were if you saw a bush and it started talking to you and the bush says pick up a stick and throw it down I don't think you'd think twice about it I think you'd be yeah I'm okay with that I'm the bush is burning I know there's a God I can pick up a stick throw it down how easy is that Do you know what I mean and Abraham as well God spoke to him so if God speaks to you and says you're going to have a, a son when you're 99 years old or however old he was, I'm sure it wasn't such a big thing if you've heard the voice of God. Well, no, it was because he was, laughed. He laughed, and then Sarah laughed, Dennis. and that's why they called the your yeah. son laughter. See, and they did. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Why? Why would you doubt after hearing God's voice? Because he was 99. <laughs> All right, so David, um, I'm going to miss. I'm going to try and get through this. There's there's a whole um, thing of David's life where he's running for his... he becomes um, uh, like a captain, if you like. He looks after hundreds of men, and then he gets put in charge of thousands of men. And um, the the women of Israel started singing um, as they come home from battle because they were experiencing tremendous success. Don't forget, this was a this country was plagued by war that's all they knew war that's that's it we live in peace here but all they knew was war and they'd come home after a battle and then the women of Israel started singing um, Saul has killed thousands and David has killed tens of thousands jealousy again David's had it with his brothers now he's got it festering with the king so you want the king on your side don't you anyway the king wasn't on his side um, because of this and king saul like his whole mission seemed to be to try and trap david and to kill him he tried to set him up with his first daughter david he wouldn't have a part of it Um, he said who am i i'm just a i'm a nobody from a a, a no one family i'm i'm not worthy to be married into royalty um then saul tried to trick him again always with the always with saul had really become god's enemy at this stage because he was trying to kill who god had anointed as his um uh what would you call the next next in line king successor successor, not predecessor successor so then then Saul says Micah my daughter she's in love with you why don't you marry he told his officials to tell David why don't you why don't you marry her and David said of course I can't you know I'm not I'm a nobody then Saul says all I'm after then is um a hundred foreskins not the coffee, the real, the real thing, the foreskin. So David goes out with his men and he captures 200 foreskins. I wonder how that would have been presented to Saul. Like a calamari rings from the... <laughs> well, it would have to have been something. How can I eat calamari rings? Well, they're bad for you. They're, yeah, they're pretty bad for you. Anyway, so David marries Micah and um, Saul tries to kill David a couple of times with spears thrown at him and... um I was chips. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I started all that. Anyway, so... <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so then David, ru- David runs for his life and through this, I'm going get, to get through, he has a really close relationship with Jonathan, Saul's son. There's no jealousy there. They're really tight, you know, best friends. And Jonathan helps him escape. And David spends a lot of time, I'm not sure how many years, but he spends all this time running from Saul because Saul's after his life. Saul just wants him dead. Um, And, yeah, it would have been a pretty tough time for Saul, uh, for David. Let's listen to his prayer. Um, Psalms 18 and you know the for those who don't know the book of Psalms half of the book of Psalms is um, attributed to the writings of David so what we're seeing is David's prayer life if you like you've heard of the Jahari window is it called the Jahari window? (laughs) David's Jahari window is flapping all over the place we see absolutely everything in the Psalms we see him uh, on his knees because he's done the wrong thing. We see him in fear. We see him running. We see him rejoicing. We see him calling out to God. We see him afraid. We see absolutely nearly every stone is unturned in the book of Psalms when it comes to David and his prayer life. And we get, we get uh, first row seats into that. So here he is. He's, he's talking to God, calling out to God because of um, Saul chasing him. Is it this one? Okay. He sung this song to the Lord on the day that the Lord rescued him from his enemies and from Saul. He sang, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. I call upon the Lord and he is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. Okay, let's fast forward. Um, David eventually becomes king. And what would you do if you were king for a day? And I said, What would you do? Drive an Aston Mountain. Drive. King, <laughs> king. Be on. Wanna be <laughs> waited on, yeah? King for a day. What about you, Anne? What would you do if you were king for a day? Yeah. Look at the good and benevolent. What <laughs> munificent <Come on. laughs> That's right. Uh, what about you, Beck? King for a day, queen for a day, king or queen for a day? Um, yeah, have a day without my children. Yes. And <laughs> <to> see that. <laughs> yes. my Anyone else smiting <laughs> like Ian? Not, not me. No, no one else smiting. <laughs> anyway, okay. So what does David do? Uh, well, um, Israel has quite a lot of success under David, and they are. Uh, um, they go out to war and they win all the time. Um, I think that when David was king, Israel never experienced the success it's recorded that they experienced under King David. Let's get to the ugly side of David, shall we? So we all are aware of the story of David and Bathsheba. We all know the story of David and Bathsheba. Okay, so I'm not going to read it out because we all, we all know it. Um, the custom in the spring was the army and the king was to go out to war and David didn't go out, he let his commander go out instead of him. David one night was on his rooftop and he's, the Bible records he's looking out and he sees a, a lady uh, bathing and David summons her to his chambers. It's not like they were at a party and their eyes met and um, they fell in love. David summoned her, he got his servants to bring her to him. Um, they had relations and she became pregnant. Now some people believe that this was rape, at the very worst. Others believe that at the at the very best this <coughs> was a massive abuse of his power as king. Mm-hmm. Sorry? Was it? Maybe it is, yeah. Yeah. We don't really know Bathsheba's side of the story. And just think about it, like, think of how many people would have known about this going on. Like, he, his servants, they would have all been t- talking. You know, it's like when you go to a workplace and, you know, the bosses are carrying on doing whatever and you're talking to your work colleagues, you know what's going on. You know what I mean? All these, all these characters, the servants, they all know what's going on. They're talking to each other. Bathsheba sends word to David and says, I'm pregnant, through the servants again. So they're, they're all over this. Imagine what David's kids thought. Imagine what his family thought. Anyway, so as, as you know the story, David tries to get um, Bathsheba's husband to go back to sleep with his wife so that um, he'd be none the wiser that it was his child, but he refused, he was too loyal to David. <laughs> and then he got him drunk and still he wouldn't go in with his wife. He was a, quite a loyal sort of character. And David ends up sending him off to war, and orchestrates for him to be, for him to be killed. He really upped the ante all of a sudden, didn't he? It's sort of, it's gone from, it's just like, it's just skyrocketed out of control. Anyway, David, he must be thinking, gee, this king stuff's pretty good. I can spy on whoever I want from the rooftops here, pick them out. If they're married, it doesn't matter. then he catches up with Nathan one day they're probably at some sort of dinner party and catching up having a few laughs um, David's probably having a drink and and Nathan's like uh, hey if it was in Australia he'd be David would have been hey Nathan how you going mate and uh, Nathan would have said oh g'day Dave how are you and Nathan said I've got a bit of a story to tell you oh okay Tell, tell me the story and oh there's this guy who just pretend it's here in Australia, right? There's this guy who's got this farm in Geelong, and it's a massive property. He's got all this acreage, and he's got all these um, heads of cattle and sheep. And uh, Gary Ablett's going to his place, calling through, and um, he invited his neighbour to come along. And um, his neighbour's got nothing. You know, he's just, just throwing a little handout to his neighbour. He's only got one sheep, if that, little block it's rented. So he invited his neighbour along. And then he told his neighbour, we're going to use your only sheep. He wasn't even willing to, you know, sacrifice any of his own sheep for the meal. And David's, you know, he thinks this, this story's real. And he's, he's getting really angry. <laughs> and um, David David has this outburst of anger and he says, who is the man? I'll kill him. I mean, he's, he's already used to abusing his power, so I'm sure he would have done it. And, um... Nathan, I love how Michael Cross puts this, he he considers Nathan like a, a court jester. There's only a certain amount of people who get an audience with the king that can tell the king straight to their face the truth that's going on, whereas your other subjects just couldn't or it'd be your life. And Nathan says, that guy's you, that rich guy's you. And he then proceeds to tell him all the terrible things that the Lord's been watching and that he's done and that he's totally disappointed God and you know this This would have been like we look at it now but this was so serious that I'm sure the, uh, the people who knew the, the, the Torah, the law would have known that this would have meant David's death but it didn't happen he was spared. It doesn't mean he gets away scot-free. His, his life is spared but he definitely doesn't get away scot-free. In fact for the rest of his life he's sort of paying for this for this little little issue that he's made. And that brings us on to the bad. The bad in David's life is he's a pretty terrible father. Um, he's He's got some, some children, and one of the children, Tamar, and gets raped by Ammon. And David does nothing about it. you read through this, I encourage you to read through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, um, and you read these stories about David, and it's just just mind blowing. Like, if one of your children raped another child, you would do something about it. Unless, of course, you were guilty of some similar sort of crimes. Maybe you'd keep quiet. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, Absalom, who is um, Tamar's older brother, he gets even with Ammon Is that right? And. Um, he kills him. And it took two years. So Absalom's waiting two years to get his revenge. His dad's not doing anything. So he decides to take matters into his own hands. He probably thinks, how unjust is this guy? probably loves his dad. How unjust is he though? My sister's just been raped and he's not doing anything about it. So he does something about it. And this ultimately leads to Absalom um, some seven years later after living in exile trying to wrench the, his... his He would have been next in line to the kingship. He tried to wrench it away from David and it ultimately ends in his life being lost in battle when he was trying to, him and David are are actually um, like at war with each other and David's on the run. And this all sort of started from David's action with Bathsheba on the balcony, he summons her. So, okay, I'm just going to tidy this up now. What is, what, let's listen to the prayer of David after he's confronted um, for his actions. I just want us to try and get um, the rhythm, if you like, of David's heart after he's confronted with what he did and what he does straight away. Uh, for the choir choir, uh, choir director uh, Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David committed adultery with Bathsheba Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love because of your great compassion blot out the stain of my sins wash me clean from my guilt purify my sin for I recognise my rebellion it haunts me day and night Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. I will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there. Purify purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And then, I'm not sure if this was at the same time, but we, we get another little snippet into the prayer life of David. It might be from the same time, I'm not sure. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer, and answer me. O Lord my God, restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Please, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O God, until you restore me? Return, O Lord. Rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenched drenching it with my tears so we see david's quite obviously moved and upset about the terrible things that he's done and he knows he's done these terrible things but to his credit he he runs to god to his credit he runs to god he doesn't run the other way he doesn't give up if that's one thing we can take from this is david although doing all these terrible things he runs to the right place Yet he's known as a man who seeks God's heart. He's, he's known as the guy who God wanted and God picked. Did he have a good heart? The good about David, I'm gonna come back to that, but the good about David, um, I'm sure we've all got our stories if we've read David, the good things that we've seen. But I love the way that he seemed to have jealousy all around him from a kid. And he didn't seem to let it... He didn't seem to... You know how that sort of stuff can fester and catch on? It didn't seem to catch on with him. He wasn't jealous um, in a sense that when he knew he was called as king, he didn't try and take out Saul, even though he had a couple <coughs> of chances to get revenge on Saul. He, didn't, he wouldn't lift up his hand against... Um, it says against the anointed. He wouldn't lift up his hand. Even though... So was trying to take him out, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't take him out. I mean, you know, do you know what it's like? This, this jealousy. I mean, at our workplaces, you might be your work colleague. You and your work colleague might have the same role, and all of a sudden, through the email system, there's an announcement: the company's going to hire in-house someone to be in this, you know, uh, role that's up here in management, and you're down here with your colleague and. So you both go for the job and you know you're a lot better than the person next to you. You've been there longer, you get there earlier, you work later. You know you've got it all over them, but they get the job because <laughs> you've seen it happen. And what happens? That we all have to work through those issues of jealousy. Sometimes we get it on the car, in the car on the road. We're driving along and we want that spot and so does the other person over there. You both go in at the same time and then it's like, you know, it's a war till, till you get to your destination. <clears throat> family life, like I said before, what about the, our family lives? For some reason the mother or father pays special attention to, to this one. But what about me? When I need some special attention, where's my TLC? Jealousy is just one of those things that's uh, unless it's bridled, it's uh, one of those characters that we don't really want festering in our lives. And I think David, one of his good traits is he didn't seem to get jealous at any turn. Sure, he did a bunch of bad things, but jealousy wasn't one of them. <coughs> you now, the hope we have in David is, like I was saying before, that um, though David, with all of his faults, he still ran. The right direction towards God, even though he would made these tremendous mistakes. David was a man after God's own heart. What does that even mean? A man after God's own heart. So it's first it, the terms first coined with, in um, as God's prophesying through Samuel, um, and God says, "I've had enough of Saul. I've found someone else who who's got a um, who's got a, a. I found a man after my own heart." And then we see Paul also um, cites that, that place in Scripture in Acts 13, 22. Paul says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. Everything I want him to do? Did David do everything God wanted him to do? Some? I would say no way. <laughs> I would say no way. So, what does it mean to have a heart after God's own heart? Well, we can we can deduct what it possibly means. Does it mean that you're perfect? David wasn't perfect, yet he was known as a man after God's own heart. None of us are perfect. The only perfect one. Well, I don't know, but yes, yeah. I can say he's here. As God, God's the only purpose one. He's powerful, yeah. he's basically hundred percent pure Unlike everyone else on the So does it so does it mean that <coughs> to have a got heart after God's own heart does it mean to make all the right decisions all the time? No. But David still had something that um the scriptures say that God was really keen on him. He kept on chasing after God. He didn't give up. He made a bunch of bad decisions, but he kept on heading in that same direction, chasing after God, praying to God. Whether he was in the right, in the wrong, whether he was good, whether he was bad, whether he was ugly, he still got on his knees and he still said, God, help. It seems to me there's like two different, two types of people in scripture. Those who call out to God for help and those who don't. And I, think, I think we can really take courage from from David. That, you know, Michelle's touched on this a few times, and Grant has as well. And um, when we sin, these sins can become almost like a Goliath in our lives. That some some reason we feel like the last place we want to run to is God. We want to hide ourselves because we've done the wrong thing. But David shows us when we sin and when we do the right thing, when we do the wrong thing that's the place where we do go we go to God God's not necessarily that I don't think he's that interested in us being perfect at all he wants us to you know he definitely wants us to try and follow him and be obedient but he wants us to come to him he loves us he loves us So did he do everything that God wanted him to, to do? No, I don't think so. Was he a man who chased after God's own heart? Yep. What is a man or woman who looks like, that chases after God's own heart? Looks like David. Watson or all, looks like David. He didn't give up even after his massive failures. He had the courage to still go to God, broken, and trust that God would take his sin and his shame away. And that's one of the hardest things I've found as a Christian when I've blown it to the point of I think, I've oh, I can't, I can't even look towards God. That's one of the hardest things I've found that even if we don't feel like it, he still wants us to come and say, hey, help, I've blown it again. Warts and all, he wants us there, warts and all. Listen to this psalm, I'm just going to finish with this. This is probably my favourite verse. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You've probably heard me say it before, but that word pursue means God stalks after us. He's really keen to love us. He doesn't let us us go. He doesn't let us out of his sight. If God can use a courageous kid like David, who was extremely talented, who had a bunch of wives which it never seems to go too well in scripture when people have more than one wife. It seems to always end in tears, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yet, and he wasn't the greatest dad. In fact, he was quite a silent dad when he should have been. Anyway, he killed and he abused and used his power um, in the wrong way at times, committed adultery. Yet he still wanted to follow God's path and didn't give up. If God can use someone like that, he can use someone like me and like you. Okay? I'm just going to finish up.